I've done a lot of things wrong, but the one thing I'm good at is just like not thinking through all the steps and just kind of going for it, you know? Hello, and welcome back to The Sliced Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Gallagher, and I'm here with Morgan Potts, founder of Granarly, which is an on-the-go snack company, and they created the first whiskey-baked granola. How's it going? Hi, thank you for having me today. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Whiskey-baked granola. Whiskey-baked granola, baby, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us, how did you get into that industry? Well, I never thought I would be doing this ever. This is an important detail. I went to college in order to, I was going to be a vet. I was going to go to vet school and I had just graduated with a degree in animal science. Well, I hadn't graduated just yet. It was March right before I was graduating. And the same week that I had gotten accepted to vet school, which is a huge accomplishment in and of itself, I had a dream in the middle of the night to put whiskey and granola and call it Granarly. And so that's pretty much how it started at the very beginning. I mean, obviously a lot has happened since then, but that's at the gist how it began. It all came from a dream. Literally an actual dream. Everyone asked me, they're like, what were you doing the night before? And I was like, I was literally sleeping. I wasn't drinking whiskey. I wasn't doing anything crazy. It just, yeah, it was just a very clear dream that I was like, okay, that's, that's something. Had you been a fan of whiskey? Actually, no, I ha- I was in college. And of course, we had like fireball whiskey at our house. And I, you know, would drink that when we go. I was about to go snowboarding. Actually, I lived in Louisiana at the time. And we would take trips to go snowboarding and skiing with my sorority. And um, I was like, okay, fireball, people drink that on the slopes. And I was like, whiskey is made from grains. And so when I had the dream, I was like, you know what, that kind of makes sense. And I had started a lot of little businesses growing up. Like my mom always said, you're going to be an entrepreneur. You're not going to be a vet. And I was like, okay, mom, like I want to aim for vet school and I can always start businesses. And so, but this, when I had the dream of Granarly, this was the most, wow, like that could actually be something kind of dream, you know? Yeah. So after you had the dream, did you uh, put a full pause on the vet journey? No. So basically what happened was that was March of 2015. I graduated May of 2015 and I still was very torn. You know, I'd, I'd had this degree I worked for, for four years of animal science and I got accepted to vet school. They took, um, people in August and in January. And so I went ahead and deferred my acceptance to January because I was like, okay, that'll buy me some time. And a little plot twist, I was going to go to vet school in Grenada, which is an island off the coast of South America. And so that was going to be a big move and expensive, you know, the whole thing. And so in the meantime, I moved to small town, Louisiana, Shreveport, Louisiana, and I started working at this outfitter shop and I was just trying to figure out my path. And then that fall, my dad and I flew to Grenada to visit the vet school because I still had no clue what I wanted to do. And while I was there, it turns out it's a vet school, obviously, but the island is known for spices and they grow cinnamon and nutmeg. Like those are two spices that they're known for, which I use in Granarly. Uh And instead of looking at the vet school, my dad and I toured the spice farms and he was like, Morgan, you don't want to go to vet school. You want to live on an island and you want to start Granarly. And there's so many little crazy, I mean, I call them divine, you know, I believe it was from God, like experiences that happened along the way that that I just felt so much peace around Granarly, like the person I met on the plane that just, there's so many things I could go on and on about, but I left Grenada being like, 
if I don't give Grenarly a shot now, I never will, but I can always go back to vet school if I don't feel strongly about Grenarly down the road, you know? Right. And I was like, I'm 22 years old, like let's full send on this. And so yeah. we went for it. I love that. That's awesome. And it sounds like it, it did come from that divine intervention, the idea itself even. Totally. I think it's interesting. So many things in our world that are in the physical world, it's like it comes from the non-physical. Like it comes from your thoughts and, and, and then a thought becomes, you know, like an idea and then you build it. So how did you go from that thought to actually having a profitable company? Take us on some of the few steps along that journey. Obviously a long journey, but... Long journey, still ha- still growing to this day. It's a great question. And on that note too, yeah, like I, I didn't really believe in someone like speaking to me about like the future for my life at that point, you know, and I had met people even that summer when I was in Louisiana that spoke to that more in my life. And I was like, actually, yeah, I feel like this is like a a calling on my life. And so that was really cool to kind of have a different weight to it. You know, like people can look at you. I had many people be like, you're stupid for turning down vet school to start an oatmeal company. And I was like, first of all, it's not oatmeal. Second of all, I don't need your opinion. You know what I mean? But I love people. And I was like, oh, that kind of hurt. But just to know that that like, anytime I feel like giving up and, and stopping, I fall back to that dream. And I'm like, I know it's not time to quit yet. And I know that that was gifted to me. And so um, that's what's carried me through to this point. But yeah, just crazy things. I, I'd say the overarching theme up to this point is just people I've met along the way. I wouldn't be where I'm at today without the people that I've met and have helped me grow. I met this lady in Louisiana and she is now my manufacturer and became my mentor. My uh, One of my dear friends was like, Morgan, if you go work 40 hours from her for her a week, even just sweeping her floors, like at least you're going to be learning about her life versus doing something else that could be a waste of time, you know? And so I went to work for her as her nanny, but just so I could like learn, like she'd been in food manufacturing for since she was 16 and she was around like 36, 37 when I met her. And so I was like, I just want to learn. I don't know about food safety and nutrition facts and accounting. Like I didn't know anything from business. And so I went to work for her best decision I could have ever made in my life. Um, that was early 2016. And then Shark Tank had actually called me, um, in 2016 and I was not I mean, they were like, how much money do you need from the sharks? And I was like, $2,000. Like, I had no idea, like, how much it costs. Like, I didn't, I'd never written a business plan. Like, I didn't know what I needed to start a business. Like, my dad's an entrepreneur, but it was, you know, I was just like, I'm just this little granola girl making whiskey granola. Like, and so I turned that down because I was like, I want to give this a go. But I think a lot of the key. So you did not go on Shark Tank? I didn't go on Shark Tank. No, not. Not that time, it yeah. did, maybe in the future, but not at that point. I just was like, this is my baby. And I, I kind of, I, I had a lot of wise people speaking to me at that time. Thank God, literally. And uh, someone said, you know, look at this like a runway. And if you, if you run fast, you're going to fall fast. And some people do that. Like some things can be overnight successes, which is great. But I knew that whether this was preparing me for something else I was going to launch down the road or if this was going to be a long journey for you know so many reasons I'm I'm willing to put in the work for the process and here we are you know 6 years later and I've learned so freaking much and I'm I'm very grateful for the timing of all of it so Yeah. No, it sounds like it. So what was the first thing that you did uh, in terms of getting it in front of people and testing the testing out the product? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Sorry, I'm like high level over here. And then I'm, you're like, how did you actually do this? I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I should talk about that. So I started making it in my kitchen and just tweaking the recipes. I, I launched one called the OG. It's our first one with whiskey in it. We changed the whiskeys a little bit. We didn't use Fireball for too long. But anyway, so I made it in my kitchen. I do the local farmer's market, of course, and get feedback from people. Um, I launched a website and would ship it out to friends and family. And then I did the Louisiana State Fair, actually, one time with my mentor. She had a booth, and so I sampled or sold some Grenarly there. And really, I, I just said yes to anyone that would take me to to sell it because I was like, I want feedback. I want to learn how to talk about this and like, I don't know where to start. So I will say, and I love inspiring and encouraging people. And I, I think I, I've done a lot of things wrong, but the one thing I'm good at is just like not thinking through all the steps and just kind of going for it, you know? So I think that there's a blessing and a curse to that. But anyway, I just kind of put myself out there, said yes to different vending opportunities and just, yeah, kept making it in my kitchen until we were too big where I was like, okay, this needs to be streamlined and then we switch over to a manufacturer. Cool. We hear so much about the successes or like the good moments. What were some of the low points or some of the challenges that you had to overcome? Oh, and we're still, I guess I could speak more to this day, but still overcoming that. So right now uh, we are, it's just me technically, I mean, on the team of Grenarly and we have bootstrapped the whole thing. And while that's definitely possible, I think some of the low points are just recognizing my weaknesses and knowing that I should probably hire for those or build a team around the things I'm not good at. And so we're kind of at this cool transition now. It's grown a ton. We just launched in Whole Foods a couple weeks ago, which is exciting, just in Texas to start and then some other grocery stores. But, you know, there are days when I'm like, we have no dollars in our bank account. And I, I think I was naive to the fact that it costs a lot of money to grow a business. Like you could have all you need to pay one manufacturing bill, but then you have to run ads and then you have to, you know, there's just so many different things that go into it other than just making the product. And so I think the, you know, the biggest hurdles I've had to get over the past few years are just changing my mindset around things that like, it's okay to ask for money and use it to get to the next level. Like we need to have a strategy. I don't have a strategy. You know what I mean? Just like different things. And so I think instead of just freaking out, it's been more of like, okay, Morgan, like this is just, it's just problem solving. That's what it's always been. So. Yeah. How did you get into Whole Foods? Well, so after Shreveport, I decided I'm ready for the big city. I've got to get out of small town, Louisiana. And I bought a food truck and which at the time, I, you know, people were probably like, this girl, what is she doing? Because it was yeah. not a good business. It was it was a good business move in the sense of it got me to where I'm at now. But fruit trucks are just in and of itself really hard and not very profitable. But anyway, I applied for this food truck competition in Austin, Texas. They accepted me that day and they were like, where's your food truck? I want to see a picture. And I was like, it's in the shop. I did not have a food truck like I, at all. <laughs> and so the next day we got a food truck. I renovated it, moved to Austin, Texas. I got to Austin on a Thursday, Friday. I walked into Whole Foods in Austin because they're like the flagship stores there. I walked in with my little pouches of Grenarly and I put them on the shelf and the guy stocking the aisles was like, what are you doing? What is that? And I was like, oh, I'm just like, want to see what this looks like. Like, this is going to be your next favorite granola. And from that day, I started just getting in contact with Whole Foods people. Like I just would go in and talk to the people in the store and then get connected with the buyer. And it's been a long process. I mean, that has been four years in the making. So I would say just not giving up and just continuing sending emails and 
then one day they emailed me and they're like, okay, we're ready. And I was like, oh, okay, great. So I just, that was crazy. But anyway, I'm glad they didn't take me back in 2017 because our packaging is different and, you know, so much has changed since then, but it's, it's all about the timing. Like I said. Yeah. The packaging looks really great now. And I just love that. That's such a snippet of like a true entrepreneurial spirit, just making it happen, like and acting like it's already seeing it already finished. You know, whether you didn't have the food truck and you weren't in Whole Foods and you were just like acting from the place of that you had already had those. Totally. And just not taking no for an answer. You know, I'm like, just because it's not a, it's a no right now doesn't mean it's maybe like a maybe later or not, you know what I mean? I say it's a not right now. And so I just kept on going, believing in it. And then we started launching in smaller grocery stores and then Whole Foods was like, okay, like we see you. That was a fun story. And so now that you're in Whole Foods, I'm imagining that that gives you some leverage in kind of cold outreach to other grocery stores, right? Totally. Yeah. It's, and that's where I'm at today. Honestly, I, um, I still don't, quite do Granarly full time. Like I have a side hustle paying my bills, but I'm getting to the point of transition where I'm like, Hey, I either got to keep this as a small little baby passion project or transition to big business. And, you know, I really want to transition and build a team and raise money and launch some other lines and, you know, sell to Kellogg one day or something. That'd be amazing. So I'm in, I'm literally in that transition as we speak of just what does that look like and and how do we get there? Because we are getting more grocery stores reaching out to us and, you know, people do see that it it's worthy of being on their shelves. So that's been really cool. Yeah, that's great. How many Whole Foods did you get placed in? Um, so we're in nine right now. There's nine in the Austin area. And then that's like the Southwest region. So we have potential to grow in the Southwest and then hopefully out in Colorado and, you know, expand from there. But it's kind of cool because it's cool to launch locally because our community is in Austin and people know it. And then I get to go in and demo and, and still nurture that relationship and yeah. grow nationwide. So that's great. That reminds me of like Sarah Blakely, how when she first got in, she was selling Spanx, you know, training the salespeople there. Exactly. So what, what does that look like from like a contract standpoint, do they just say, we'll give you a X amount of trial period, see how it goes. And if, if it goes well, then we'll ramp it up or. Yeah, it's, that's a great question too. It's not really on contract basis. It's more of, they just place their orders and each individual store places their orders. And then it's my job to, to grow it. I mean, you know, I, and that's where I'm at. I, I'm, I was just talking with someone the other day, like, do I go in the store and demo the product because I'm the founder and like people you know, want to hear from me and I want to hear the feedback or do I hire someone to do that? And right now I have the flexibility to be able to do that. So I think that it's just, and we're, it's still very new. So it's a good question, but they really do a good job of nurturing their local vendors and allowing them to come in and demo. And you have access to vendor portals and things like that, where I can really monitor sales and kind of work with them to see like, Hey, cause they really, they really do want to put an emphasis on smaller local vendors, which is cool. So yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. With the hopes to be nationwide, that would be the goal. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you mentioned the the long term goal would be eventually get acquired. So in the meantime, are you fundraising right now? 
We are getting ready to fundraise. Yes, we're not right this second, but I'm kind of, I've, I've brought someone on my team that's helping me with those things that I'm not good at. Because anytime I hear VC firm or VC funding or raising money, I'm like, what are your margins? And I'm like, oh, like these are things I know I should know. And I know, but like I panic. And so just being transparent, I love being transparent, but we are getting everything kind of buttoned up right now for that first fundraising Um round, which is super exciting. It's scary to me. Um, but I, it's just one of those things that I'm like, all right, put on your big girl panties. Like we got to do this. Yeah. And you're going the VC route or friends and family or both or mm, probably both. I actually think we're going more towards VC. I think we're going to go big. Yeah. We have a whole line. I told you this right before, but we have a line of something different than granola, but still in the pouch product space that we're launching. And I really think that I want to apply everything I've learned the past six years, but do it alongside having a lot of money to really blow it out of the water from the beginning. Cause it's been quite the journey, you know, the past six years and I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I really want to do that piece differently and make a big splash. And so, um, I'm really hoping to raise a good amount and really go get it out there, you know? Yeah. So what do you say to maybe entrepreneurs who have never experienced starting a product and they're thinking about it, they're they're in their early stages, what would you recommend to them in terms of finding a mentor? Because it sounds like that was a key piece for you, whether it was learning the ropes for manufacturing, or now you said you brought in someone, I don't know if it's the same person or someone else who's helping you kind of navigate the VC world. So how do you go about finding mentors? Yeah, that's a great question. I think at the core, just opening my mouth and talking to people like you, you and I met in an event. And I think just like getting out there, like asking people questions, even if they're asking you questions and just at the basis, building relationships, like, and not just to get something from someone, but just because you really never know who you're going to meet. I, some of the best advice I got early on too, is, you know, you may be slaving away selling $50 of Granarly at a farmer's market right when you start with handwritten labels, but it takes one handshake to change the whole trajectory. And so I think just showing up no matter what big or small thing it might be. And then also writing out a list of people that inspire you. I mean, I like to think that everyone is just one degree connected to you. Like everyone, like no one's off limits. And even, you know, Sarah Blakely, like, you know, all these people that are super inspiring to me, like they are human too. And they, they may not be able to help immediately. They may never reply. I mean, whatever, but like, why not reach out to them on LinkedIn or like send a DM to their company or call their office? Like you never know. And so I think that's something that I've learned and and even grown in confidence in over the past years is just, you know, learn from people that have done it right. Learn from people that have done it wrong, more importantly, and then just have honest conversations and always show up with questions because most of the time, like nine out of 10 times, I've found that people want to help. And I've been very surprised of who's been willing to help me, you know? Yeah. And it's almost like there's less competition up at the top, because everyone has that perception that, oh, they'll never reply to me or never get back to me. So it's like, you may as well reach high and see see where you can get. So who is the craziest person that you've asked or reach out to? Oh gosh. Now you're putting me on the spot. I'm like, who have I talked to? Oh, let let me think. And even if they didn't reply. I definitely have DM Blake Lively a few times because she is like my, like, I love her Blake Lively, like the actress, but she also launched an alcohol line and she's just like a mom, like married to Ryan Reynolds. Like I just adore her. So (laughs) I've DM'd her quite a few times on, on Instagram and she hasn't said anything yet, but that's okay. 
Yet. Yet is the keyword. Yet is the keyword. It's always <laughs> the keyword. I'm trying to think who else. That's a great question. I feel like living in Austin, Texas, like I worked for Outdoor Voices and Packed Party, and they have two women founders, Tyler Haney, who has gone through a lot of transitions since the time I worked there, and then Jordan Jones, who's still very much part of Packed Party. And Packed Party is in Walmart's nationwide, and Outdoor Voices is growing, and Tyler's on to something else. But anyway, both of those have been women that I've worked for directly and have like wanted to learn from through working for them, whether it's in a customer service role or like really close with Jordan. And so it, that's when I was like, if I'm going to make money, like if I have to make money to pay my bills, I'm going to work for people that I can learn from just to see how they run their businesses, you know, and not to take from them at all, but learn. So that's been a really cool blessing for me too, is just seeing what they did right and wrong and, and learn from them. Yeah. So how do you navigate the side hustle and the running Granarly? Oh, that's a great question. I'm still trying to figure that out today. Now, uh, so... I'm not the most organized human being, but I realize that about myself and I'm trying to be better. But I think time blocking has really been good for me where I'm like, okay, I'm dedicating this allotted hours of my day to this client because they deserve that and they're paying me for that. The rest is Grenarly. So whether that's waking up at 6 a.m. to work on Grenarly or whether that's working late in the night, like whatever it takes. But if someone's paying me and I, I obviously, and I actually get asked that in interviews a lot, like how are you going to navigate this role while having your own side hustle. And I'm like, you can trust me all you want or not. But like, I have respect for you for hiring me. Like I would never, you know what I mean? Like, but I get why they're asking me because they're like, that's your baby. Are you going to always choose that over us? But I think really it just comes down to time, time management, whatever that looks like to you. But, um, well, and they say, they say, um, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Oh, <laughs> like, really? Why? Yeah, because be it's like, doers are going to continue to do things right oh, versus I love that. the idea of like if you give it to someone who's not getting stuff done they're probably not going to get it done maybe that's why people trust me because i'm always i'm like always working and busy and i'm like and i don't like to have things lingering i'm like i will get crap done so i think that's it just having the grit and knowing it's going to be hard but like you know it is just how i know it's not forever but it's what i have to do right now so yeah so um i don't know anything about the food and beverage industry has it, are those like regulations really tough or what's that process like? Yeah. So there are a lot of food regulations, obviously, because it is consumed. And um, my friend and I were talking yesterday because Daily Harvest is going through a lawsuit right now because of some food ingredients. And it's like been a whole thing. So anyway, I don't want to bring that up. But but it, it brought to my attention like, dang, like, you know, I already... I know wh what food safety means and all those things. And I'm getting to your question, but it kind of brought in perspective, like, wow, like I am making food that people consume. Like this is a big deal. And I think back up to Allison, my manufacturer, it's been such a blessing for, to have her on that aspect because, you know, we pay her to produce our, our granarly. And then her facility is, you know, very high level certified, you know, she does all of our plans of action. If there were any recalls, all that stuff. And so that, that comes along with me paying her to do it versus me handling it myself. And that's been a huge blessing because that's a whole beast in and of itself. But yeah, they get regular like health checkups and, you know, the USDA, FDA, all that jazz. Wow. So I guess after you found her as a manufacturer, you gave her the recipe, does she pack it as well as make it? Yeah, her and her team. That's a great question. So how it works is we 
contract with them, give them the recipe off, uh, obviously under an NDA. And then they stock their factory with ingredients and I place orders through them and they actually manufacture it, pack it and ship it out for me, which is great. Right now I get them to ship me orders that I send out on my website because I like to add all our branding and do all the cute stuff. But if it's like pallet quantities, they just handle all of that with our logistics companies and yeah, it's it's pretty wild. But she's like I said, another blessing. She's been in business for so long that she knows how the you know, she has a whole system over there. So it's been really great. It's like worth the you know, it's expensive, but it's worth it to me because I don't have to be making it every day. <laughs> yeah. So then was she the one who had to get certified and is the responsibility on the manufacturer or yeah. So we obviously have uh, general liability insurance like for Granarly and then, you know, we can get down to the nitty gritty. But yeah, they basically the manufacturer is responsible for the food safety under Granarly. Okay. Got it. So a little bit of shared liability yeah, it there. Is shared because, but they're the ones physically making it and then it's tied to our name. So, but like, you know what I mean? On our back. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. No, I was just curious about that because it just seems like such a regulated space, but also such an exciting space because people are very passionate about food. There's a lot. I'm like, I don't, I feel really blessed to have found her because a lot of entrepreneurs come to me and starting in the food space, like, how do I find a co-packer? How do I, you know, and I will say in Austin alone, there's such a great community of shared kitchen spaces and, and all that jazz. So there's a ton of resources and that, you know, that if I were to ever have to look for a new one, I would be doing a ton of research as well. But I've been blessed to just have her that makes pretty much her product in mind. So. And you found her at a, a farmer's market, local farmer's market? I actually market. met her at church in Louisiana. <laughs> okay. Okay. Community-based. <laughs> like a contact through someone else. What'd you say? Yeah, no, that's great though. Getting around people who share your values and wherever that may be. Yeah. And that's been a cool other just like whole side of things. Exactly. Talking about the spiritual side of things along with business. It's really unique. And that's been a cool part of my story as well. So. Yeah. Are, does it feel like when things are going well for you spiritually, that business is going well or like, um, I feel like when business, well, that's a great question. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of tension. I feel like for me personally, and I don't know your whole, your podcast audience, but whether it's, you know, we talk about higher power, God, whatever it is, I feel like for me, and it goes back to the dream, like having that root and foundation of something bigger than myself to put the pressure on almost helps me so much because I have days where I'm like, I don't know how we're going to make it. Like, I don't know where we're going to get money from. Like, I don't, but I fall back. And even with Allison having the shared values, I'm like, we're going to pray about this. Or, you know, I'm just going to remember where we came from because I'm like, if this is the end, I'm willing to let it go. But I also feel like it's not, and there's going to be a way and we've made it so far. So I just got to keep on going. Yeah. I love that. I love that mindset too. And something I've, I'm concerned, I guess, about for society is it feels like as there's a trend for less and less people having some sort of faith, I think when you put yourself as like the end all be all, like it's, we're not wired for that. Like no. your life is so much more enriched and meaningful, whatever it may be, what whatever you conceive if you just call it the universe, whatever, if you have that awareness that there is something bigger than you, then I don't know, I, I think it enriches your life a lot. So and it seems to play a good role in business too. I, I think a lot of founders have some sort of trust in the universe or God or whatever it might be. Well, that's like what on how I built this podcast. He always asked, like, do you believe that this was luck or like divine or whatever he asked? 
skill or luck. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, most of the time people are like, I don't know how we got here. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm like, what do you think that is? And so I, yeah, I just feel like you're absolutely right. Like whether it's whatever it is to you, I feel like taking the pressure off yourself because even let's not talk business for a second, even going to personal life, I'm 29 years old and single. You know what I mean? Like there's like life things that happen. Like I was out for a month because I got a knee infection. Then I went through a breakup. Like there's just like things that happen that are just not even business related that are just being in your twenties. And it's like, I don't want to do this alone. So whatever that is, like, I, I think that that has been, I mean, I give all my success and whatever to that because God for me, because I'm like, I just, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I would hate for that pressure to be on me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And it's also like to what you said earlier, we don't even really know where thoughts come from. You just wake up and like thoughts pop into your head. And so I, I liked, I forget what society, some Greek, ancient Greek, where they would attribute creativity to like this thing outside of them. And I know the author of Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth Gilbert, she talks about where it's like your creative genius that exists outside of you. And now it's like people, you know, get all egoic of like, oh yeah, I did this. I came up with this. And yeah, that's true. Like you took the action, but I don't know. There's no real proof of like, where does that thought actually come from? Exactly. Yeah. It's not like I went to sleep that night and I was like, I'm going to have a dream tonight about Grenarly. Like that literally was gifted to me. You know what I yeah. mean? And I'm like, I don't know where that came from, but I don't think it was me. So you're exactly right. It is kind of crazy. But you did act on it, which is very impressive. I think a lot of people, whether it's fear or just, yeah, I think it's just fear that hold, holds people back from like getting out there and actually acting on it. I think on that note, real quick, I, I'm reading another, I think Big Magic is another Elizabeth Gilbert book um, that I dabble in and out of. But I read something in her book recently that was like, yeah, if you're, you know, you have this creative thought, if you don't act on it, it's going to leave and it could go to someone else. And she's talking about how like, when she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, I think people came to her and was like, you wrote my book. And she's like, I had this idea about this book. Like you didn't write the book, basically. And I... I've, I've been exploring that more because I'm like, I kind of believe that's true. Like, I feel like we have the responsibility to act on it if we're gifted, you know, whatever it might be, whether it's a painting to draw or a business to start, like it could be anything, uh, or even a conversation to have, but if it, you know, and this is funny, I, I invented this silly thing. I don't even want to mention it right now, but I'm mentioning the the scenario because it matters, but I had this invention I came up with in eighth grade and someone this year, a couple weeks ago, like, I think it was Bonham petite magazine or someone like posted that these John Hopkins students invented it. And it's like the most berserk idea ever. Like I've only told my friends and family about it. And I'm like, I didn't do anything about it. And someone has now created it. And I was shattered for a day because I was (laughs) like, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe someone actually did this. And it's so out there that I'm like, but I didn't do anything about it. So, so I don't know if you've ever heard of this. This is like a legend. I don't know if it's fully true, but apparently there were these researchers trying to tackle this collective unconscious is kind of what we're getting at, where it's like, we're all kind of connected to the same web of thoughts. And they were researching these monkeys on this isolated island. And I think they dropped a a certain type of food where they had to open it. And they hadn't been aware of how to do that before. Excuse me. And so finally, like one monkey figured it out and started like showing its tribe how to open it and then they realized as they started figuring it out another colony of monkeys on a different island 
where there was no connection started to be able to do it. So that idea of like the collective unconscious, um, I forget what researchers did that, but if you Google collective unconscious monkeys or something, I'm sure it'll come up. I'm going to Google that later. That's so interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if that's true. So this is not to be fact checked here, but more just like, even if it were true, I think there is something like a cloud of thoughts that you can reach up and grab. And if you don't, someone else is gonna. So it's kind of wild. I, I like think it. Yeah. Like you said, you, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's something to enter, entertain kind of. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So I'm glad you reached up and grabbed Granarly. Me too. I'm like super glad that I've acted on it. So anyway. So what's been some of your favorite moments of running? Ooh, that's a great question. I think for me, the first thing that comes to mind is at the beginning, I had to do a lot of work around myself as far as I'd had these crazy entrepreneurial ideas growing up, like I said, and a lot of people were like, that's stupid. Or where did you get that idea from? Or why would you do that? Not even just with Grenarly, but with anything I would start, you know, and I worked with my friend doing a lot of like self work inner healing, I guess you could say, because I would go talk about my ideas and I'd be like, I know this sounds really stupid, but, and it was like speaking over myself. I was already setting people up to be like, oh, that is stupid. You know what I mean? Because I was speaking negativity over my ideas before I ever voiced them. And so I think personally, one of my favorite things has been the growth I've seen in myself. And I don't mean that to highlight me, but because it really has brought out who I am as a person. And I feel like I've stepped into who I'm called to be. And I've done a lot of that work around just feeling confident in my ideas, even if they don't work that that's okay. And just accepting that I'm a people pleaser by heart, but you really can't be that way in business, especially when you're kind of doing things outside the box. And so it's been really fun to just believe in myself and see people believe in me and, and cheer me on, you know? Yeah. I think the craziest was the food truck by far. I mean, I go run around Austin and I look and I'm like, the first place we ever parked our food truck was at this insurance company with a yellow fence. So like, so we weren't even accessible off the road. It was the cheapest spot I could find in town. And it was guarded by a fence. Like it was not a, a place to be selling acai balls on a morning. Like, you know what I mean? But I didn't know. And so just looking back and laughing at myself at things like I have time after time, like, we, we did like a homeless thing downtown Austin and brought the food truck and served pancakes out of it. Like I don't even make pancakes, but just, just the most random things that I'm like, I'm glad that I've had all these experiences. And the last thing is probably just the people I've met along the way. It's really just opened the door. Like I said, I've said this before in the, in the, in the podcast today, but just vending at different places, like how I met you and, you know, so many things. I've just loved meeting people from all walks of life. And it always gives a a conversation starter at the least, like what's Grenarly, you know, and wherever that leads, but it's been really cool to just meet people and encourage people along the way. Yeah. I love all of those and think that's amazing that you were able to overcome that thing that so many of us do where we caveat before we even say, so glad that you were able to overcome that. And then the food truck story is hilarious. We've talked a lot on this podcast of like, how you don't know what you don't know. So you just have to like get out and fail. It's like a prerequisite to success. And they're always the best stories. And yeah, it seems to be a common thread that everyone is grateful for having at least given it a shot and trying it and like seeing who they meet and following that curiosity. So anyone listening who hasn't started a business yet, definitely just go for it. But if you have to have another side hustle to stay afloat, 
make make that happen, but definitely go for it. it seems to be the common common takeaway. Yeah. And someone once told me the times that you feel the most tension and want to give up, like, and I have to say this loosely because there are some points you should probably give up. I mean, I don't, I, you know, there are some things that just shouldn't be keep going, but like, I feel like you kind of have to trust your gut on those things. But in my tension points where I'm like, you know, we don't have any money or things that are, are, you can get through just, you have to find a different way. I think that someone once told me like, these are the moments that weed out the week and that you have to have grit. And I think grit is everything in business. Like you really just have to, the thing I've been saying the most recently is, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And instead of being like, we're fail, like I'm so emotional. I'm like, this is the end. Like we're done. I'm like, no, like I just need to take this one bite. Like let's fix this one problem. Then we'll worry about the next. Like it really doesn't have to be everything at once. And so, yeah, that's what I would encourage people with too, is get after it and then know you're going to fail and know that you're going to run into issues, but how you react to those is everything. Yeah, totally. And that's almost like the greatest prize of all, you know, it's like the transformation that occurs within you. So who do you go to in those times? Like who are your biggest support systems? I would say my friends, like my closest friends, I'm like, they're probably sick of me calling them crying about who knows what, but the ones that I know I can call and they're just like, I I don't know about you, but I feel like I have my friends that I know how they're going to respond to me. So I go to them first because I know they're just going to love me and be like, it's going to be fine. Like, you know, whatever it is. But then I always try to seek wisdom, which sounds so cheesy, but I try to get out of myself and be like, okay, am I overreacting? Like, is this like, can we solve this and how can we solve it? And so that's why I brought on a partner who's not Allison. I know you mentioned that earlier. Um, I'm just excited to kind of have a sounding board in the more, you know, we're not like, he's not a close friend. Like he is, you know, has a whole different brain than me. And so I'm excited to kind of have someone to bounce things off of. So it's not just me making emotional decisions sometimes. And yeah, I think that's it. I think Allison, my friends, and then my new partner, Matt. So how'd you meet him? I, we went to college together, actually. I just, another thing, which is funny to mention, I posted on LinkedIn a couple weeks ago and I just said, first time business owner here, I need help. And I'm like, we can't hire someone right now, but like, I would love to figure out how we can hire someone down the road and who that might be. And so I'm just open to conversations. And the amount of people that shared my post, reach out to me was overwhelming. I was like crying tears of joy. And I, Matt had reached out and anyway, that's a whole other story, but we went to college together and he is, he has a VC firm for himself, but he's helped a lot of companies. He's helped grow a lot of companies and they've been acquired already, which is amazing. But he said his biggest flaw is that he's too detail oriented. And I was like, well, thank God for you because I need that. <laughs> and so it's been really cool to, I mean, this is very recent as of like two weeks ago, but, um, but yeah, just to have a sounding board that is not someone that's known me my whole life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I think friends and family are great, but like also sometimes you need to get real and like sometimes friends and family won't be real with you because they love you. Right. <laughs> No, I think an unbiased uh, and experienced perspective who compliments your skill sets sounds like a perfect fit. And awesome that you got there just by being honest and kind of vulnerable and like asking for help because that's something that's super hard to do when you have a business. Or at least it was for me where I felt like I had to do everything on my own. And then you realize you're like, oh, wait, nothing gets done in the world by one person. You know, no. it's, it's always a collective effort. It is. And it's like everyone kind of has their 
well, I say partner in crime, but like right hand man, you know? And I, I had a, exactly what you're saying, like swallow my pride and be like, cause I, on my like personal Instagram, I'm always being real. Like I don't mind being transparent about my life. I think it's, there's beauty in that. But with business, it's hard because people expect you to have your crap together. And as a woman too, like I'm always trying to like, you know, be all buttoned up and know what I'm talking about. And I'm just like, you know what? I actually don't. And I don't want to pretend anymore. I need help. So like, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. No, I love that. And and it sounds like people responded really well to that. And I'm sure we'll continue to. I think I know we already mentioned Sarah Blakely, but I think the reason so many people love her is because she is just authentic and she's not putting on airs or like trying to act like better than just, you know, so it's all just a process of figuring it out. So it's if you're inviting people in to do that with you, I think that will build brand loyalty. People will be more curious about what you're doing versus, you know, if you come at it like, oh, I have it all figured out, which I definitely made that mistake too of like, because you feel like, oh, if I present my company well, people are going to like it. Exactly. But it's really like, how how do you get an emotional connection to people? Which I see your side of things too. Like there is, there is a point you need to be confident and be like, we know what we're doing and to a degree, you know what I mean? So yeah. How are you marketing Granarly right now? So we, that's a great question. We are on, we're active on Instagram. This is part of me bringing some help on is because that's the part I love. Like I love, you know, doing different events, doing partnerships, collaborations. And I think collaboration is key. That's something I always like to mention on podcasts too, is like, that's been huge for me too, is just finding like-minded people or not like-minded people to work with and brands and just, you know, ex- expand together, but, uh, or multiply together. But yeah, so we were really big on Instagram. We just launched a SMS like marketing platform, but which has been really cool and insider knowledge. We're about to do a, a free granola for a year campaign to help people get signed up. So you can oh, win cool. free granola for a year. And then little things down to like running promotions at our grocery stores. I mean, there's everything. We're not paying for ads or anything. I know this is like nitty gritty, but we don't pay for any marketing right now. But that is um, something that I hope to grow into, of course, to grow and expand, but really just word of mouth, friends and family. I'm hiring an intern to help with our ambassador and influencer program. And yeah, really on social media, because you see, you've seen our packaging, it's really bright and loud. And I really want to encourage in this next, yeah, the llama. And in our next, we just launched uh, the Otis adventure pack, which is basically you get a Grenarly hat, a flat Otis, like flat Stanley. I don't know if you did that as a kid, but basically it's like a flat Otis that you take on your adventures with you. And then you, you get Grenarly and every month we're going to give away a flight, a flight credit. If you take a Otis on your trip and post and tag Grenarly, and then we'll pick one winner and give you like $150 flight credit, which is pretty, I think that's a great. That's so cool. I would do it. Yeah, you should do it. I'm gonna send you one. Okay, awesome. And I and it's so perfect too. like adventurers, you know, exactly. Yeah. And I just like our new mission with the wave of product is, you know, on the go products that get you outside and out of your comfort zone. Because I do feel like when you grow the most, and when you find yourself the most is out of your comfort zone. And just moving your body out. I always say moving and grooving, like moving your body outside, whether it's a 10 minute walk or a six mile run, like it changes everything. So that's what I want this next wave of Granarly to really be is more than just a snack. It's a, it's a lifestyle. So. Yeah. No, I love that. Tell us about the llama. The llama, Otis. So Otis is our oat eating adventure llama. And everyone was like, 
are you, were you obsessed with llamas? And I was like, actually, no, I just, I couldn't decide on a logo to save my life. And I knew I wanted something where people look at it and think Grenarly. Like I didn't want, you know, I didn't want our name to be our logo, whatever. Something unique. My llama. Yeah. So our first round, someone did a double headed llama for us. And it was literally one body with two heads llama. And that was really unique. And I was like, this is hilarious. And they told me that llamas eat oats to fuel their adventures through the mountains. I don't know if that's true, but I believed it. And I was like, that makes sense. And I just was like, that's what we're encouraging people to do, like adventure through the mountains while they eat their oats. So I was like, let's channel our inner llama. And then in 2020, during COVID, we rebranded. And I was like, you know what? Our packaging looks not like what we're trying to preach. Like it was very buttoned up and black and white and not Grenarly. And I talked to my designer friend, Kyle, who's amazing. And I was like, Kyle, I want you to do something crazy. Like I want it loud. I want it fun. I want it silly. I don't want it perfect. Like I just want it Grenarly. And what you see today is what he came back with. And so it's been fun to personify Otis. His name's Otis. O-A-T-I-S. Like oh, I love that. And my food truck in Austin before I sold it, it, its name was Otis and not Grenarly. So I kind of named the llama after the food truck in memory of. Yeah. Did you come up with Otis? Uh, yeah, I came up with Otis. I love to name things. I actually owned a, a brand naming company on the side because I love naming things. So I love naming things too. It's so fun. Yeah. Oh my yes. gosh. We need to talk about that. It's so freaking fun. It is the best. It, and it does give so much life to an idea or a project like instantly. Or anything like my food truck was just a little camper and I was spending so much time with it because I was painting it and renovating it. And I was like, I'm going to name this thing because I spent so much time with it. You know, like I think yeah. it just brings things to life for sure. So I'm glad you relate to that. Yeah. What were some of your favorite names that you came up with uh, when you had that agency? I, I named it Airbnb company recently. Um, they have a lot of properties in Texas and we came up with bestow stays and their tagline is the honor is ours. And they just basically want to like bestow an experience on you and be like, we're like, you're a guest of honor. And I love that because that's, I feel like people don't really talk about that. I don't know. That was a cool way to, to pitch their Airbnbs to me more of like, this is my business. It's more of like, it's an honor to host you. And then I just like, all our names are funky, like espresso yourself and skinny jeans and groovy. Green. Yeah. Like, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I name crazy things. My agency is called Crunchy because everyone, you know, they always say Crunchy Mama or like Granola Girl. And our tagline is create noise naturally. And I don't know. I just yeah. like, I like taking words that kind of are like, like gnarly doesn't really have like the prettiest connotation, but I'm like, we're making it Granarly. And now it's like reviving an old word. So anyway. yeah, no, I love that. And I love the Crunchy tagline is so great. Yep. That's exactly. really cool. It's like crunchy peanut butter, basically, but not. <laughs> yeah. Or just, yeah, that's crunching in the woods, you exactly. know, crunching leaves. It just and I was like, creates... if we're naming things like create noise naturally, like a name, like you said, it, it brings things to life. To, it gives, I mean, you can't have a business without a name, whether it's your yeah. name, you know, whatever, but it just really brings things to life. So, no, I love that. So, we're, we're coming towards our close, and we always ask people if you had to describe your entrepreneurial journey in one word what would it be? Uh, adventure. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the word you're looking for, but that's immediately what came to mind is it adventure. It's 
never linear, never easy. You know, when I think of adventures, especially in Colorado, even if it's a hiking adventure, it's like you get water, you get rocks, you get cold, you get rain, you get snow, you get hot, like whatever. And I just feel like that's been my entrepreneurial journey. It's, it's not that you, I was talking to actually my counselor recently and she was like, Morgan, like, I feel like, you know, when you hike a 14 or sometimes you get to these summits and you got to take a break, you got to eat more granarly, you got to drink more water and like, you have to rest and regroup before you keep going to the top. And she's like, I feel like that's where you're at right now is you're in your rest and regroup before you keep going. And I just think that like, when she told me that I was like, that's been my entrepreneurial journey. That's been my life is you know, it's not stopping. You're not going to turn around and go down when the summit's right there or like the peak is right there, but you're just going to regroup a little bit and then keep going. So, yeah. I love that. And it's very on brand. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I just had to, it just, it goes. <laughs> no, it's awesome. So where can people find you if they want to try out Granarly? Okay. So they can find us if they're in Texas, we're in central markets all across Texas and Dallas, Houston and Austin and San Antonio. Whole Foods in Austin and San Antonio. And then we're in mom and pop shops all across the US, but there's a long list of those. And then the best place is our website. I don't know if you offer discount codes. We haven't talked about this, but I'd love to give you one to um, give your followers so we can follow up with that later if you want to like put it okay. in the notes or something. But, but our website, www.grenarly.com. And we have an Instagram, so follow us. And yeah, that's the best. We ship out all the time every day. So Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I love your story. It's amazing. You have great energy. I can see this growing. I can see people really relating to the brand. And I, I got to try it myself. It was delicious. So I highly recommend checking it out for any curious, adventurous listeners. And anything else that people should know about you? Just follow along on our adventure. Like you said, it is growing a ton and we have a lot of exciting things. And I like to invite people into the adventure with us. And so if you want to DM me, like Morgan A. Potts on Instagram, I'm not often like I love helping people. And if if you want to, if you're starting a business and want to start by talking to someone, talk to me. Yeah, I think that's it. Thank you for having me on today. It's been yeah, so fun. thank you so much. This has been great. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Sliced Podcast. If you enjoyed listening, we would love for you to share this little slice of insight with your friends. See you next week.